Welcome to the Royal College of Psychiatrists podcast. I'm Liam, the Social Media Officer and Digital Producer at the College, and I'm excited to introduce this fantastic episode, which we've recorded to coincide with Pride Month. In this episode, we have the pleasure of hearing from LGBTQ plus psychiatrist Dr. Chris Walsh, Chair of the College's Psychiatric Trainees Committee. Join us as we delve into Chris's fascinating journey and discover what drew him to the field of psychiatry and some other Pride-themed questions. So without further ado, let us begin. Hi Chris, um, welcome to the Pridecast. Um, can you tell us a bit about yourself and where your journey has taken you? Uh, hi, thank you for having me. It's um, brilliant to be here and um, talk about Pride, uh, especially in the context of the college. So currently I'm the chair of the Psychiatric Trainees Committee. Um, so that basically means that I'm the person who um, sort of helps pull the committee of all of the reps who represent all of the psychiatric trainees in the UK um, together in uh, representing the views of the trainees at the college and also helping make sure that the stuff that's happening in the college um, gets passed back through to the trainees and because um, the college is very passionate about uh, making sure that the um, trainees are represented and um, are part of developing how training and things like that um is being shaped in the college which is amazing um and um uh, i am gay i am originally from northern ireland lived in england for a good bit and moved back to northern ireland recently um and um i um have um, done i guess lots of different types of psychiatry on my travels i've worked as a SAS doctor and um, as a trainee um, at various points and worked a little bit in the private sector um, for a while and, and so I've had um, a nice blend of experiences across the board in psychiatry and worked in a few different places in a few different contexts so I've been very lucky to kind of get a really good cross-sectional flavour of, of psychiatry in the UK and um, and I've obviously had the experience of kind of being gay and living um, in Northern Ireland when I was growing up but also in England as an adult um, and um, so yes I've had kind of a, a varied experience um, as many people have by this point yeah. How have your own experiences with mental health influenced your approach to patient care and your interactions with patients? So um, I guess uh, so I've had my own experiences with mental health um, as I kind of have spoken about um, in a few different contexts um, in the college um, and I've suffered with um, depression um, and anxiety and um, had OCD whenever I was a child and um, those experiences um, I guess um, involved being treated um, so that involved um, taking medication and having psychotherapy and interacting with professionals um, and so I think uh, First of all, that I think that's a, a relatively common experience for people in psychiatry, both psychiatrists and allied professionals and psychiatric nurses and things, because um, once you get chatting to people, it tends to be that um, people have come into this profession because in some way in their personal life, they've been touched by it um, and have got that sort of context or um, sort of personal experience with it. Um, and um, and also Zell, um, on my travels I've met a lot of psychiatrists who have suffered with mental health problems themselves um, and um, I think it's a very personal thing for for individuals in the way that like some people find that they have to kind of um, keep it quite separate and delineate it um, so that they um, are keeping that aspect of themselves um, separate to their professional work um, and um, some people um, find that it helps because it helps them obviously put 
them in a place where they can understand what it would be like to experience some of the things that patients would experience. Um, and um, for me, it was something that actually was quite complicated. I found that um, I spent a lot of time in therapy talking about it because I wanted it to be something that could be of use um, to me understanding um, patients better, um, but in a way that was healthy for my relationship with the patient so it didn't change um, me wanting to um, overprotect them or um, or um, aspects of um, some things that have been bad about my mental health being projected onto them or those sorts of things. So actually, it can actually weirdly take quite a lot of work um, sort of psychologically to make sure that you process all of that and have uh, thought it all through enough that um, it doesn't affect your relationships with patients. So it can actually um, have an advantage, which is that you can um, be able to get alongside patients a lot easier and, and understand their experiences, but there could be a disadvantage of making an, an extra layer of work almost in recovery, which is um, because of this line of work to kind of um, process it and um, that little bit extra so that it's, it, it isn't impacting the way you, you do your business, I guess, at work. Um, so, yeah. Um, I was reading your Choose Psychiatry blog before this podcast and you mentioned you had a passion for the creative art. So what inspired you to choose psychiatry as a career despite your initial interest in acting, graphic design, singing? Um, I think um, I think across the board, psychiatrists are very creative and once you scratch the surface, most psychiatrists are in some way um, interested in those sorts of things. Um, and um, I, yeah, I think this is very much a generalization and just my own anecdotal experience but i think when you get chatting to psychiatrists they they are very interested in creative stuff like the creative arts they're they're passionate about music and 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 theater and um that kind of thing um and are really interested in that and i think that's because um there's definitely a creative um thread that runs through psychiatry compared i guess to other um specialties i guess the and the, the the nature of um the way our treatments um intersect like so bio, the biological treatments in psychiatry are so different than the psychological treatments which is so different than the um the uh sort of behavioral and um more social aspects of how we um would try to manage patients and and the way they intersect is is it is almost artistic in, in the way I think um, it comes about. Um, and um, I think the nature of um, the, the kind of way your mind has to be dexterous in formulating patients and trying to pull together all the different threads of what makes them who they are, and which is the absolute important part of psychiatry. Um, uh, it's really wholly understanding an individual um for who they are and what's brought them here and where they're going and um and seeing them as a complete person and um, involves quite a lot of creativity it's almost like painting a picture in your in your own mind and pulling these parts together so i don't think it's that uncommon for people to to have had those experiences um and um for me it was um uh I, I loved all of those things um, whenever I was younger, but um, the um, it was the kind of classic um, sort of um, uh, formulation of of somebody who's um, sort of 
from a background that would push them to do well in inverted commas and um, people have this sort of standardized idea of doing well involves being a doctor or lawyer or that was definitely a thing in the 90s and um, that's um, thank goodness passed its way out so um, uh, there was a lot of pressure around me to to do that I think there was um, a lot of fear that um, that there was something a bit too bohemian or a bit a bit um, like unclear uncertain about the creative arts um at the time so i had quite a lot of familial pressure and stuff to to go into medicine um and uh, but i'm a very firm believer in kind of what is for you won't go past you like and and everything's sort of falling into place in the way it should um so um i um uh hence why i ended up in the kind of this creative aspect of, of medicine which um is psychiatry um and um uh, but definitely my reason for choosing psychiatry was about um, people. Um, there's um, uh, there obviously different aspects of medicine are, um, well, that's the wonderful thing about medicine, that are for other people. Like, so they love the specialties that they do. Um, but um, even whenever I'm the busiest, I am and I'm on call and there's so many things going on. Um, and still, after doing psychiatry for a you know a reasonably um, robust period of time, now I still sort of sit down with a patient and um, know that I've got forty five minutes or whatever to assess them. Um, and I still enjoy it. I still I still feel like it's a, a an opportunity to get to know somebody and to hear their story and to be curious about them as a person. And maybe make a little change in that interaction, um, and um, and I just felt that from the very first second that I started interacting with patients in psychiatry, and it just felt like a natural progression um, for my career. Um, and the other thing as well is whenever you meet, and I, I have no knowledge of this of other specialties, so I can't compare. But certainly in psychiatry, um, there's a real push to develop all the other parts that make you up. So it's rare to meet somebody who just works nine to five Monday to Friday as a psychiatrist just doing clinical work in the way that um, people are encouraged and kind of nourished to do other things like leadership and management and education and uh, that kind of thing. But um, but they're just three examples. There's a million other things to do. Like I'm in a position at the moment where um, because of doing my role with the psychiatric trainees committee i get to do absolutely loads of graphic design that gets seen by thousands of people and um and you're just like well that's an you know that's a that's literally like a box ticked of the of the things i want to do or enjoy doing um and with regards to singing like i i sing with belfast community gospel choir um which i absolutely adore um, so it's a choir um, that has um, about 100 people performing at, at the big concerts. We have um, two concerts a year in Belfast. Um, and um, it's just incredible, absolutely incredible. It's just so immersive and fun. And um, and so I get to rehearse with them as well. So that kind of, again, like ticks that box. I think there's something about being able to find a way to create space in your work for the things that you're passionate about and the kind of threads I've run through my passions over the years have been 
kind of communication and nosiness and wanting to get to know people and really digging in to find out what is going on with them um like graphic design and creativity and that kind of stuff and I, I really do get a lot of that from my from my job at the moment brilliant um so what advice do you have for lgbtq plus people looking to choose psychiatry as a career um, I guess that's a really good question. They um, probably, um, what I would say would be speak to as many people as possible. Um, but the key being speak to as many people um, across the board as possible, rather than maybe just in your local area or in the specialty that you might be working in um, or that kind of thing. Um, try to speak to um, people who might um, come from a variety of different backgrounds and have a variety of different interests. Um, so the way to do that is, in my mind, is to connect with the college. Um, I've been amazed in my um, last year as PTC chair, uh, not even a year, nine months of, of being PTC chair, about how many amazing people I've interfaced with. And there are so many sort of subgroups and organisations within the college with the SIGs and the um, faculties and all different sorts of committees. And that's just centrally. And then obviously locally within the divisions and devolved nations, there's um, a whole pile of other committees and groups and that kind of thing. And I've met the, the most diverse, most sort of rich group of people through this process. Um, who have spanned um, sort of all elements of the LGBT spectrum as well as the whole pile of other protected characteristics that has given me um, a really strong sense of the group of psychiatrists that exist in the UK and who we are as a collective. And um, that provides me with a lot of um, kind of um, comfort in knowing that... Um, as a gay person, our um, specialty is well represented and is protected for the future in the way that um, we they have our back. And sometimes um, the the very nature of being um, on the LGBT spectrum is, is that you um, can feel um, that you are separate or um, different or uh, not included in something. Um, and if there was an element of psychiatry that was drawing you in but there was a resistance that was coming from feeling othered or separate or whatever um I um would really encourage people to um connect with the wider group of people um to realize that um you would be part of an amazing family and would be just absolutely welcomed in and um uh and taken care of um with regards to it actually being part of the actual specialty itself, um, the psychiatry, I guess, historically has had a contentious relationship with the um, LGBT community, particularly, obviously, very historically with homosexuality. Um, and um, so there can be a bit of an internal thing that goes on um, about um, becoming a psychiatrist. I can only speak from the experience of being a gay man. Um, but um, but that is an important part of um, of your own individual journey, and I definitely would encourage you um, to 
to come and um to join psychiatry because and um, it's all of these people with all of these experiences including the ones that might have felt a bit othered or the ones that had the more difficult relationships historically with psychiatry that are making psychiatry what it is at the moment which is a place where um discussions happen and people are interested and people are passionate and people do debate things and um and so um it's about being part of the conversation and um and and yeah um and uh yeah and certainly we as a group of um psychiatric trainees um are very diverse um in um gender and sexuality and um we would absolutely love to have anybody approach us who was a foundation trainee or a um a, a medical student or anybody considering um uh psychiatry as a career um and um meet with them on zoom or go for a coffee with them and talk it through with them and um and allay any concerns they might have but also try and instill in them a little bit of our excitement and passion um for um this specialty because we do absolutely love it like i think whenever you talk to people in the college behind the scenes um uh like one of, one of my ultimate pleasures this year has been being able to spend time with the officers at the college and um there's a pure passion and excitement and um drive from them about psychiatry that is infectious and um if we can sort of distill a bit of that into anybody who was thinking of joining us then we would be doing our job properly um so yeah brilliant <clears throat> so if you could turn back time what would you tell your younger self um i think this might be a bit generic to be everybody i guess on the LGBT spectrum because um i guess i would tell myself to um uh love myself a little bit more um be um a bit more resistant to that um sort of negative self-talk developing inside that that forms core beliefs not to not to be too cbt about it but forms these core beliefs which then lead to negative automatic thoughts which then actually underpin the score of how you think about yourself um and that can be really um difficult to unpick through your 20s um even even into your 30s um and so um that's something that i think i would go back and try and change and i wish i had which i think it happens more now um had a mentor or somebody who was a bit further down their sort of experiential journey of being a gay person um to have challenged that a bit a bit more and been there to kind of um be an alternative voice to that that kind of um internal saboteur um and um uh so yeah i think that would be the first thing i think that is very common amongst um amongst um people um who've been through those sort of experiences the second thing is i think i would encourage myself to um stand up for myself a bit more when it came to um uh people who i had um assumed were there to help me if that makes sense so i think that a lot of teachers were very permissive of um 
uh, sort of homophobic bullying in school um, and um, even I think um, some of the ways that um, yeah even some of the ways that I think my experiences of um, dealing with um, str like struggling with education whenever I was in school or um, that kind of thing were um, sort of there was almost like a a bit of a sense I was bringing it on myself because I was gay or something. Um, so yeah, I think I would um, sort of encourage myself to stand up for myself a bit more under those circumstances. Um, and um, and this is a massive cliche, and this is, uh, but it's absolutely true. You know, it's really connected to that kind of movement that was around. I think three or four years ago, people were like, um, there was like a, a saying, like it'll all work out or something, and everybody kept saying it. Um, but it's absolutely true in the way that I would just be like, like this. There are there are moments of this that just feel a really grim and really like, where is this all going? Um, but um, time moves fast. Yeah, kind of get going back to my my previous self. I would definitely be like, like everything's going to work out, and um, I just wish there was a way that we could help young people get a sense of that feeling of um sort of peace that you get in your 30s about what's happening with your life um so that they could cling on to that rather than feeling they didn't have any other option than than suicide um, and I know that's a big worry and um uh, and part of of pride month is it is for us to be proud and tell our stories and um be happy and joyous about the fact that the world has moved on so that we have a place that's comfortable and safe but it's also important to recognize that there are still struggles and pride month is the time to shine light on that so that um resources and time and people's thoughts can be intensified on those issues well just before we conclude uh, i thought we'd have a bit of fun um so i'm gonna have to do a quick little quick fire round vogue style so who is your top lgbtq icon um, I guess this is going to maybe sound like a little bit of a weird one, but I think probably Andrew Scott would be my um, LGBT icon, mainly just because um, I um, I really like the way he um, it has approached his career in terms of the gay characters he's played and the straight characters he's played as a gay man. And after hearing him be interviewed about how he chose those and how he navigates in his mind the experience of being a gay actor playing both gay and straight characters is um is really interesting and it made the fact that he had given it so much thought and it involved so much kind of like um careful navigation of the politics of it all and involves um an ability to act very well and that really impressed me about him and made me think a lot about um what it must be like in that industry i guess to to have to give that so much thought actually speaking of actors have you got an lgbtq oriented film or tv show recommendation the film pride not just because um obviously it's pride month but um but also because it's actually genuinely a really good film um it's very very well acted it's got all these amazing famous people in it um including andrew scott actually and um, 
but um, it just tells the story of people's minds being changed, um, but their minds being changed not because they've come from a place of hatred, but just because they come from a place of ignorance. And I think that that is the fight that we have. Um, uh, I think the the people who actually hate LGBT people um, are are very small. Um, I think that um, the the main things that we have to deal with are fear and ignorance, and um, they're when you meet somebody. Um, not that people like there's people from the LGBT spectrum um, aren't automatically all perfect because they're on that spectrum, but. Um, on the whole, when you meet somebody um, who's LGBT, you um, usually do lose a bit of that fear and a bit of that ignorance just by being in their company. Um, and so, um, and that's why pride is important because it gets it out there and people um, tell their stories and um, are present and take up space. And um, uh, so, yeah, um, I think that's very important. What is your number one pride anthem? So, um, so I like all sorts of music, um, but I'm a little bit like one of those people who likes just what's out at the moment. Um, and then the second it's, um, it's not in the chart anymore, it becomes irrelevant to me, uh, which is, I, I'm ashamed to say, but Padam Padam by Kylie at the moment is just, it, it, I, I don't know if she's done it on purpose. She must've done it on purpose and released it just before pride. But it is such an earworm, and um, it, it just is like it's underscoring my life at the moment. Um, I feel like, um, yeah. So that's definitely, um, it's just, yeah, it's just fantastic. It's a fantastic, fantastic song. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I totally agree. I'm glad yeah. you said that. Um, so, what is your, uh, your best pride memory? Um, so my best pride memory is, um, there's a drag queen in Belfast called Portia de Monte who, um, uh, whenever I was a teenager, um, I remember thinking um, in the Union Street Bar in Belfast was just the most amazing individual, like just this magical celebrity. Um, she was just so funny, so witty, so many like jokey bantery things with the crowd so beautiful and well put together and amazing makeup and hair and gorgeous gowns and all of this kind of stuff and um there i just remember anytime i was there it was just like yeah it was just like being really close to a celebrity and um i was like completely just obsessed there and thought that she was just this incredible performer and um and yeah and then more recently um at pride um there she was. I was an adult. Uh, I was adult at the time, but a much older adult now. Um, and um, was um, uh, there she was. But I had now in my sort of thirties, as opposed to a nineteen-year-old, I had a lot more confidence and just went over and um, had a chat to her. And um, she was just really lovely. And just um, it was like meeting a celebrity. It was like meeting somebody that kind of. Uh, yeah, you'd always had this kind of, um, yeah, admiration for, and um, and it just was like giddy with excitement after. So yes, that's my. So it just shows you the importance of those kind of those people because um, I guess in a weird way we don't know on a day to day basis 
um, what ways people are looking up to us or seeing us as many celebrities in our workplaces or friendship groups or those kind of things and the impact and inspiration we're having on the younger LGBT generation. So, um, so yeah, that was my, my memory. It still kind of makes me smile thinking about it. Well, Chris, thank you for joining me today. You know, I hope you have a wonderful Pride. And again, thank you for joining. Okay, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure.